Welcome to the Grillcast, your executive briefing on privacy. Top-line privacy insights from the voice of your peers. Today, we're thrilled to welcome another industry leader in privacy, Paula Zenni, who's the Chief Privacy Officer of Ring Central. Welcome, Paula. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, I, I reached out to you because I, I feel like you've been in the field of privacy for a long time and some really respectable organizations. Perhaps, you know, you just kick us off with a little introduction on your background. Thank you again for having me. Yes, I have been doing privacy for quite a few years. Uh, I am an international attorney. I've been in technology all my life and I used to have multiple responsibility, mostly as a transactional lawyer and privacy started being a a bit of a big thing in Europe about uh, 20 years ago. And I was in Italy at the time and I started uh, adding privacy to my responsibilities. And at the time it felt like one more thing, but it looked like it could grow. And I thought it was very interesting from the legal point of view. So I started spending more and more time and establishing myself within the organization I was working for. I was at Agile Technologies at the time, establishing myself as a little bit of a subject matter expert for privacy, for European privacy issues when, when you know, privacy was exploding in Europe. And then uh, when I came to the United States, uh, I kept working at Agile and for, I was, I was the attorney who supported the chief privacy officer at the time. And then I, at Semantic and Palo Alto Networks, I joined those organizations and, and built the program from the ground up. So I had a multiple responsibility, which was not just as a counsel, but also as a, as a program uh, person. And then now at Ring Central, I also am also responsible for for the program, so for the legal portion, but also the programmatic portion. Yeah. Well, congratulations! You've been at at Ring Central for three months now, right? Something like that. I started. I started at the beginning of February. Yeah. 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 Wow. Time flies. I have to say, you know, as I was looking through your background, you know, Symantec and Palo Alto Networks really do stand out as kind of iconic companies, and especially in the fields of security and privacy. You've kind of watched over the last few years, especially, right, as we sort of moved from the EU privacy directive to then the GDPR and then the Californian states are all evaluating who wants to go next. How have you seen things evolve since that period of, you know, joining Symantec and then through Palo Alto Networks and now? What were some key sort of milestones that you saw as the environment shifted? Well, GDPR definitely was was one, but... um there's been a, an enormous evolution on the regulatory front, so more laws. Yeah. You know, at the time, very early, the only thing we needed to worry about was the European directive. But then, were more and more things that that happened. So those definitely uh, were important milestones. And before um, GDPR, even the invalidation of safe harbor, which is you know, safe harbor was an important data transfer mechanism and an you know, right. important framework for companies. So when that went away, and companies had to figure out what to do, and then you know, the emergence of uh, binding corporate rules as an option right. for companies was also a you know, fairly important step. Then obviously GDPR was was enormous because GDPR really brought privacy to management level, to executive level, gave right. an executive right. level ability, and then also introduced a, a few requirements which are you know, challenging to operationalize for companies. And I think GDPR is responsible for really initiating and spearheading the rise of, the, of, of privacy technology. So the need for privacy technology because of the complexity of operationalizing some of those requirements. At the same time, and then obviously the the last uh, member, the last person at the table is in the United States with CCPA and then the other state laws. 
I, I do uh, notice though that as the multi, as the legal requirements multiply and it can feel overwhelming for professionals, and unfortunately, companies and professionals like me have started trying to make sense of it, interpret our role not just as a compliance role, but more as as a really a business enabler. So what what do I do? How do I make sense of all these different requirements, and how do I translate this into strategies and initiatives that really support the business? And you know, I think the evolution has been a privacy leader, a privacy officer really needs to be an advocate for the products, somebody who's really supporting the the revenue generation for the organization that they work for. Yeah, we've seen that. I mean, I think the leading organizations that we work with, you know, really trying to use privacy as a competitive advantage at this point, right, in terms of how do they propel their products and provide and, and build trust with their customers so that, yeah, ultimately it is revenue generating. Shifting gears a little bit, obviously, the last 12 months or 15 months or even maybe longer now have been an interesting period for, for change. And I'm sure you've seen even just you know joining Ring Central, the, the business environment is different. Things have accelerated from a technology standpoint to kind of accommodate for that. How do you see this impacting privacy teams in, in terms of digital transformation and the acceleration there? There are multiple aspects. So obviously, one aspect that's important is as companies adopt the different ways to work together and use technology in a different way, it triggers you know additional requirements. So the need, for instance, for new policies, more transparency with your own employees, more transparency with your own customers when you're using technology. The other thing that digital transformation has done, it also adds to a biggest problem for a privacy professional, which is understanding where your data is and understanding all the different tools that the company is using. So that is an ongoing challenge and it's like the top priority for all of us because understanding how you use the data drives uh, you know, the determination of the risk and drives right. your priorities and drives your investments and all of that. So obviously, Anything that increases the use of technologies or changes the way we use technology has has this huge impact on that. So it really is our world and the world of the data and the um, technological architecture that our companies use is what we need to get a handle on and maintain a handle on. So that's what it it has a huge impact. Yeah. So, you know, I... I, uh that was an interesting comment there you made of just like trying to maintain this sort of understanding of where all the data is. There's been a bit of research came out from PwC in the past week around CEOs concern and they had a, a survey that came out on privacy is now in many of the publicly traded organizations. It's actually as a risk area, annual reports. I was just very curious, like your perspective, you know, for the folks who are CEOs or perhaps founders of companies, you know, what advice could you provide them to think about how to staff a privacy organization and when to build one and, you know, any nuggets that you could provide there on uh, given your experience? Before I answer the question, I want to just uh, elaborate a little bit on the idea of risk, because uh, yeah. a lot of people, when they think about privacy risk, they think about the risk of, uh, you know, getting fined by regulators. Yeah. There is actually an, another important source of risk for, especially for companies that are in a business to business space, which is the agreements you sign with your customers and with your right. vendors. So you you establish those relationships, and those relationships are critical to your business and to your business model, and that and there and there you have a lot of risk in, in there as well. So right. if I were to think about the CEO staffing the privacy, hopefully the CEO has a general counsel who's going to staff the privacy <laughs> yeah. for her. For her, so hopefully uh, that that would, that's the first place where I would start. You know, make sure that if you're hiring a GC 
the GC understands the importance of data for your organization and how it impacts the business so that uh, that she can go out and you know staff the privacy team at the right time and that time you know may vary based on the business you're in it depends what the company is doing obviously but for some companies you know some companies are you know still pre-ipo and they may not have a very large uh, uh, legal team and yet the privacy professional is maybe one of the very first specialists that they hire once they have uh, yeah so i think the skills so i kind of broaden it up a little bit about the skills i think the skills are you need to have in your legal team somebody who is able to manage the transactional aspect of privacy uh, you know there's a lot mm. of uh, work on transaction and commercial so it's important to have uh, some skill set uh, in in that area as well and that skill set may not be in the privacy team but you definitely need it in your legal team so you need someone who's able to address uh, privacy in managing those contractual relationships I, I was mentioning you also need somebody who is really able and willing and interested in understanding the technology so if you have a product or a service that's very data intense well now they all are but you know more than others you really yeah. need somebody who's passionate and wants to really sit down with the engineering teams and understand the product so someone with an undergrad in computer science or data science or something like that would be a very good uh, uh, a very good type of uh, a very good type of skill so so that's that's important another aspect of privacy but maybe not at the very beginning but eventually you need somebody who's going to really be interested in understanding how to operationalize the, the program. Right. So you need somebody right. that has passion for that, not just somebody who is going to look at privacy as a, as a legal issue and just, uh, you know, um, um, an area where you provide legal advice and then hope that people do what you told them to do. But you really <laughs> get into, you really get into the, what does it take to to operationalize, automate processes, get metrics, right. get data, and just become more efficient. Oh, that's fantastic advice. You know, we were joking about it earlier. Privacy is definitely a hot field. There is shortages everywhere. So I think lots of opportunity for folks earlier in their career to look for exciting roles. I ask every speaker at this point, just because I'm always curious about, you know, what people are reading and where they go to read their content. Um, you know, as you sort of think about what you consume on a weekly or monthly basis, where do you go to to find your sources sort of as a as a privacy pro and you know, anything you want to share with folks of, of things that you find interesting? Well, maybe by, and I don't know how interest my, uh, my answer is going to be, I'm a member of the Association of the Privacy Professional, the IAPP, and I find the daily dashboard or even the weekly digest that they put together a very yep, helpful read that one to, too. to see what's going on. And so that is something that I do. I just scan the headlines and then if I see right. anything, then I may click and read the article. Uh, but just the headlines give me a sense of what, what's going on. Then one other thing that I find very helpful is to being on, on, the, on the mailing list of some uh, key law firms. There are some law firms that have very established uh, privacy practices. And so they, the quality of what Any they put out. Any share there that you'd recommend people go to? Burn and Bird for Europe, mm. very strong in Europe. Morrison yep. Forster, the DLA Piper also has a has a good one. Uh, um, yep. Hanton, uh, they used to be called Hanton and Williams. I think they changed the name, but they, but it's Hanton. So they also have a newsletter uh, that it is is very is very good. So those are really my go important. To's. Yeah, go tos. And then the other thing is uh, you maybe expand and 
have some newsletters indicating not just privacy as your interest, but also other aspects, you know, AI or mm-hmm. telecommunication. So kind of employment has a lot of privacy implications mm-hmm. as well. Yes. So yep. when you're setting up for some of this uh, um, the Association of Corporate Council also has a, a very good mm-hmm. way to organize it. They just, they just, and you can get the, the newsletters from them. And oh, nice. uh, when you set it up, your filters just branch a little, a little bit into other areas. There's a lot of uh, talk about privacy also in uh, when people are talking about cloud, for instance. You know, cloud right now is a very broad term, but privacy is a, is a key component of the legal aspects and legal, legal considerations on cloud. So again, expanding and using filters that capture some of that stuff is usually helpful. Oh, some good ones. I love to close on this question just because, you know, I think, you know, obviously we get executives like yourself joining, joining on the show, but we also get a number of folks who are perhaps earlier in their career and perhaps aspire to be where you are today. You know, if you could offer a sort of one piece of advice to perhaps a listener starting out their career in privacy, considering a potential path down that journey, what would it be? It's probably more than one. I think that one of the challenges with privacy is that um, there's enormous hunger for talent, but when managers have a possibility of hiring someone, they're generally at the point in which they need the help so quickly that they go and look for somebody who's already an expert. So the, the right. reason why it's difficult is that, again, once you get your head count, uh, you really need someone who's able to hit the ground running. And there isn't a lot of opportunity to or bandwidth to train someone. So that's the challenge, I think, for people who want to start. I think uh, basically what I would recommend is if you're interested, just get the CIPP certification because that's a good sign that you are what you're willing to invest in this year if you are still in law school make sure that if if your school offers any privacy classes or courses make sure you take those and you add them to your curriculum and then try to maybe pursue an internship while you are still lost if you're if you're a lawyer while you're still in law school uh, try to or even if you're not i mean if if there is an opportunity for internship try to see for instance i just hired my very first privacy intern who's going to start in congratulations Very excited about that. So that's a good way to get in the door and um, maybe get to company to know you and a lot of internships and turn into opportunities to get an offer later on. If you're already in the profession and all those things are passed and you you cannot go back to law school to take private classes anymore, I think that you would need to sit down and do a little bit of maybe networking with people that are in the field to be able to uh, develop your the story of your transferable skills. What is it that you do today, even if you're not a privacy expert, that would be very, very helpful or would, would transfer very easily into a, a privacy profession. You could be a product counsel and that right. could, you know, a lot of transferable skills. Or you, yeah. yeah, or you could be a compliance person or, I don't know, I'm just uh, thinking, um, or you could be an employment. So, so that's another area where there are definitely, or you could be a marketing attorney and the marketing yep, also yep. has a lot of implications. So, so that would be my recommendation is to maybe seek out people that can talk to you where you can really look at what, what are all, what's my complete skill set and how can I reorganize it and how can I tell a story that makes me suitable for, for a privacy role. I think that's great advice. We're big fans of internships at DataGrail as well. We actually just, we have a chief of staff who's joined as an intern for the summer from from Columbia. And I love to see folks investing there because I just think it's, you know, it's powerful to see people, you know, move forward in their career and start out and get mentored from from folks. And so great to, great to hear that too. Are you hiring, Paolo? Is there anything you want to share if folks who are looking to join your team? Well, I just hired, so and my team oh, is now, 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 thank you. It's now a full capacity. 
But um, if I can, uh, if I can recommend or if you can give any suggestion, I mentioned also the the challenge of operationalizing operationalizing privacy. If anybody is. Uh, Maybe even people um, who are in legal operations could be uh, interested in and in looking for opportunities to, to for privacy operations roles. I, I understand there's a lot of hiring going on uh, right now in the in the marketplace. So I'm am f- fully staffed and I'm very excited about my first intern. Well, look, uh, definitely appreciate your time today, Paula, and um, thank you for for joining us on the show. You can find this recording and other recordings from previous speakers on iTunes, on Spotify, um, on SoundCloud and all the major channels and uh, obviously on datagrail.io as well. Um, So thanks again, Paula, and look forward to chatting soon. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. 